0: Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Waterburger line Dance hall
1: And we're live. We are live. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas and some things not. Where I hold the microphone a little bit further away from my face. <laughs> just a little bit now. I was noticing in some edits. I was <laughs> yes. doing a lot of tamping down of buzzing as, as soon, soon as, as we start. You know what happens is we get really excited and we want to start talking louder and faster and then we just hold the mic up to our vowels and sound. sour, And if you know me, you know I get very excited, especially when we get to record another episode. It's one of the things I love most about you Of Tax-ish. Our not sponsors for today. Our first one is Scribe Media. Scribe Media. Are you an author who has a story to tell? A business person who's an expert in their field, perhaps? Do you have a really crazy story? Like, say, you died on the ice and then came back to life in the hospital. Dave Scatchard, The Comeback, coming out September 14th, 2021, buying on Amazon, or do you just have a crap ton of money and feel like publishing a book just to be a part of your ecosystem of your brand? Scribe Media. We turn great ideas into books. We help authors turn their stories into books. Scribe Media. I do some things there and they give me money every other week. We still don't know why. I think I do my job. Scribe Media. If you got a lot to say, but you can't write. <laughs> Scribe Media. From when you want to write a book, but don't. Scribe Media. Scribe Media our second not sponsor of the day is sup atx That's stand up paddle boards atx they have been equipping me with paddle boards for the last couple of weeks slash months and recently have been extremely nice allowing me to use some of their speed line boards if you want to get on the water and just kind of chill out paddle a little bit maybe knock back some bubbly water <laughs> paddle board Because when you think of Texas, you think of water sports. And when you think of water sports, you think of... Sup ATX. Sup ATX. Not Texas Rowing Center. Sup ATX. Sup ATX. They're taking Seth's money. ATX. Sup. Sup ATX. Otherwise known as Seth, has not bought his own paddleboard yet. (laughs) Sup ATX. Here's my money. (laughs) seriously have they given you a free board yet or are you just gonna keep going until they do I'm just gonna keep going until they do and they're gonna be like okay look you have bought at this point you've bought like three boards three boards so here's one so here's one it's really dinged up they're actually so I actually do want to shout out Epic Paddle Boards where I go which is a subsidiary of Sup ATX okay they have the best quality boards, and they actually have the lowest prices during the week. So for, for an hour, it's ten dollars. for a And parking is not near as insane. Parking isn't as insane. Off of it's that right side. by Buzzmill. It's it's a it, if you just want to chill, you go up toward the dam and just kind of circle Snake Island. Exactly. It's a great little float, and if you want to get a workout in, you go down and you 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 know paddle down to the bats. Whoop around, and usually the wind's blowing pretty hard, so you and can you just go out, right to back. the current, get that resistance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sup ATX for when you don't want to work out, but you accidentally do. Sup ATX. Sup ATX. Homo and TX. Because I refuse to sit in a tanning bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shouts out our non sponsors Scribe Media. out our non Sup ATX. We appreciate each of you. All right. On this day, this one time in Texas history, mm-hmm. We should let the viewers know. Let's let them know. So up to this Listeners. point, we have been doing On This Day in Texas History. At first, it was On This Day, a.k.a. a day that was a month before the actual right. episode on came the day out. we were recording. Yes, and then it became On The Day the episode releases. Because we got great feedback on, hey guys, we like listening and hearing what's going on. This happened like a, like a month yeah. ago. So, the feedback was it's not relevant to today, but then with that feedback, we realized, well, technically, if a podcast is just out in the world forever, no actual date. No telling when you're going to hear it. So, from now on, you're hearing it for the first time on a day in Texas history, specifically in in a day in November of 1924. That was the day that Texas elected its first female governor, Mm. Miriam Ma Ferguson. Ma Ferguson, everybody. Who you will hear more about here in a little bit, but before we get to that, you want to hear about our small town of the week? You know I do. Our small town of the week is Dish, Texas. Dish, Texas. All capitals. Wait, Wait, what? Capital D, capital I, capital S, capital H. Is it an acronym? No It's just all capital So this community established in June of 2000 Was originally named Clark, Texas Mm. In November of 2005 The community accepted an offer to rename itself DISH All capital letters As part of a commercial agreement With the satellite television company DISH Network (laughs) The settlement was originally named for its founder Landis Clark Who incorporated the town in June 2000 And served as its first mayor In exchange for renaming the town to Dish, all residents received free basic television service for 10 years and a free digital video recorder from Dish Network. There was no formal opposition to renaming Clark. Twelve citizens attended the council meeting to support the measure. Yeah. Can, can Can I be honest? Yeah. I feel like 10 years isn't enough. I guess, but I'm sure that most of the citizens of Dish were like, hey, I could be dead in eight. What's the population? The population is after the 2000 census, 2010 census, right? 201. So 12 people were like, all right. We want free TV. Anybody <laughs> opposed? And the rest of the 100 The, one, the eight, 180 other people saw the dish van pull up 2 weeks later right. and were like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they knew? There's no way. So people were just like working on houses like, "Hey, what's going on? Um, excuse me, sir. Whatever are you doing at what, my home? Why are you putting a dish up here? I can just see like a certain segment of the pot." What are you doing in my house? I Where, didn't order anything. Planning, what, what, what are you doing? What are you putting on my house? What's there, you what are you putting that Russian spaceship there? on my house for? I didn't order that. I don't want that. I'm not paying for this. I sir, don't, look, sir, you're not paying for I'm not paying for it. No, I know you're I don't not. want to sound really mean, but I'm sure there was a certain segment of the population who still called strangers boy- sure that yelled boy you better get off my property i've heard i think i've heard one of our our greater uncles say that and all all the dish guys had to do i'm sure they had to script was they had a script that said right. hey you'll get the cowboys every sunday there you go and they said boy you, you better, better get put, your you better... you better get your ass back on that roof i'm not paying you for nothing <laughs> you're not, you're not that, paying, you are know what on the roof boy <laughs> roof you want, you want some lemonade you think, I, you think I don't want to see Dak every damn Sunday? <laughs> this is pre-Dak. You, you think I don't want to see Tony Romo? There you go. I mean... You think I don't, don't want to see Romo's ass on that TV? If there's anything I want to see, it's Romo's ass. It's Romo's ass. Every Sunday. It's Jesus and Romo. You think I don't want to see that cute Italian boy smile? He's got an arm like a rifle. Get your ass back on that, up there on that route, boy.
2: This is Dish, Texas.
1: <laughs> Dish, Texas. We just went through so many different accents. Yes. And that was yeah, it, it was up and down. I, that is. I think that might be my favorite bit. Yeah, done we don't so want far. to dish them. I'm just dishing out the puns. Man, they got served. <laughs> this is nice pun. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Dish Texas, you dish are Texas. our small town of the week. Hopefully, you still have service. Uh they don't. It was t- it was a ten year contract. I'll have to we'll do some follow right. up and see if they renewed their contract. I hope they did. I wonder if they were out for bid. Right. Like hey yo AT and T. Right. Because like why not? Obviously like, con- we'll do anything. Up. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's the you know where's the Bezos of it all? Where yeah Amazon Bezos, Texas. Texas. <laughs> Amazon Texas. Ams Texas.
2: <laughs>
1: oh no. <laughs> AWS cloud Texas. <laughs> This is getting a little too cathartic. You want to hear about our badass? I would love to hear about our badass. (laughs) Our badass of the week is Miriam Amanda Wallace, also known as Ma Ferguson. Ma Ferguson. As mentioned earlier, she was our first female governor. What you didn't mention is that she was only the second female governor in the entire United States. And they say we're not progressive. And they say we're not progressive. Come on. But wait for it. (laughs) There's more. There's more. You'll get there, but she was anti-mask. Dude. So, Ma Ferguson served two non-consecutive terms, meaning somebody served between her first term Mm -hmm. and her second term. Now, her first term was from 1925 to 1927, and her second was 1933 to 35. She was born on June 13th, 1875. Wow. That's pre-1900, everybody. Well, that's ba- that's barely post-Texas. Barely post-Texas. Barely I mean, post that's Texas. like that is fresh off the wagon. Yeah, she's first-gen Texas. She's foul. <laughs> she's a little wet behind the ears. So here's kind of the cool part about mm-hmm. this whole thing, because she actually was very well-educated. She attended Baylor Female College when she was 24. Which was a rarity at the time. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of you know. Let's face it. At that time, there weren't a lot of institutions that were educating women on a collegiate level. So, just the fact that that existed is one thing. The fact that she went and mm-hmm. was educated is another. She married a man named James Edward Ferguson, a lawyer, at her father's farm near near Belton in Bell County, Texas, which I'm sure we'll cover at some point. Yes. Her nickname Ma came from her initials, M.A., and the fact that her husband was known as Pa Ferguson. They had two daughters, uh, but here's kind of where it gets interesting. Her husband was the governor from 1915 to 1917. You'll notice that that's only... uh, It's a hyphenated term It's a hyphenated term there. Uh, (laughs) Any any guesses why? I'm going to guess he was either a member of the KKK or he pulled a Clinton or embezzlement. Or all three. Now, I can't confirm the first two, but I can, in fact, confirm the last one. He embezzled over a million dollars from the University of Texas. From UT? From UT. Gig em, baby. Man. So, this is hilarious. The, the Texas Senate convicted him on 10 separate charges, obviously impeached him. Oh, my gosh. And prohibited him from holding state in office in texas ever again so this man was never allowed to hold any type of office couldn't even be you know city comptroller nothing like that which after a million dollars embezzled from a public university right. makes sense makes sense i don't think that's an overreach I not think that's an totally overreach fine. i feel like that is completely within the rights of the also texas with Senate. embezzlement it's always that's the money we know of right <laughs> so there's no telling how much yeah. he embezzled other than that okay now Ma Ferguson decides to run for office and makes no bones about why. She is and states publicly that she is a puppet candidate for her husband. A common campaign slogan was me for Ma and I ain't got a darn thing against Pa. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She basically ran in his stead saying things like you get one, you get two for the price of one acknowledging that he would be kind of the political force behind it all, and she would be the one day-to-day doing the job, which that is so badass. I mean, the bravery. The bravery, just the open brashedness of it all to be like, you know what? There ain't ever been a woman governor in Texas. (gasps) I feel like I can do the job. And you know what else? My husband's been making most of the calls anyway. He's gonna be helping anyway. That is well, especially when you think of today. That's a headline. Well, dude, I- AOC has been letting her <laughs> cisgender boyfriend well, make decisions than that, this like, whole time. In a, in the age of stands, that's the biggest stand I think has ever been yeah. taken ever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Dang. Dude, and she was you know she was pretty conservative fiscally, but she did try and raise taxes both uh, sales and income. Okay. That was kind of like a couple of her big things. Here's the thing, she didn't win her, her uh, second election. Her re-election. Right? She did not win her re-election. But she did win the next election. And yes. here's something else that I found kind of interesting. And I know that we gotta go a little quick because we gotta introduce our guest. Yes the Texas Rangers didn't want her to win the second election because one of her platforms was taking away a lot of funding for law enforcement because there was pressure uh, from various organizations to do so so that they could free up money for other parts of the legislature. Sounds like she wanted to defund... I mean, I'm not going to say it. The police. So because the Texas Rangers came out against her, when she did get reelected and she received 422,000 votes compared to 300,000 votes, and usually, they only took, like, 11,000 votes, so this was a pretty heated campaign. Yeah. When she gets into office, she immediately, (laughs) immediately, like, first act, cuts all funding for Texas Rangers. All funding? All of it. She tried to fire all of them. During her reign, they were not—they were not given any stipend for travel. They either had to use uh, bus tickets, train tickets, or their own personal horses. And she fired most of them, oh so there. God. At one point, there were only like forty. The Bonnie and Clyde movie with, Ke- Kevin, yeah, Costner with Kevin Costner and yeah, yeah. Uh, Woody yeah. Harrelson. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, the guy, she's, and they weren't love. rangers nope. anymore. That's why. They should really have... They should really have highlighted that a a little bit more. an index card. Here's what's really cool about that, though. So, Ma Ferguson was also responsible for 3,000 pardons. Most of those pardons were due to prohibition. Okay. People who'd been arrested for moonshining, things Mm -hmm. like that. She just let them go, which, you know, rightfully so. Yeah. I feel like if you're in prison for something that is no longer illegal, you should probably be let out, right? Yeah. Right. Right? Right. 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 So... There's a lot of interesting things happening with her governorship. Like, a lot. And obviously a lot of the like policy was coming from her husband, but that's not to say that she wasn't capable and also doing her own thing and, and making her own choices. And doing it on her own, especially the second especially time. Especially the I second bet. time. The second time, it seems like a lot of it was more driven by her. And she was you know trying to do her best as governor. Mm-hmm. I just think it's hilarious that what happened was because of her lack of funds toward law enforcement let's say the crime in texas spiked so hard that they had to bring in an outside organization from chicago to consult on what to do ultimately they were just like well you just got to get more money to you law just have to have law enforcement right <laughs> And we but don't she, mean any we of this politically. No, no, no. There just I, is. just like, this is what happened historically. Well, and I read the thing. Mm-hmm. We read up on her a little bit. She was an anti-masker. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. You want to expand on that well, one? Well, she ran one of the, her big platforms right. for both of her both elections ones. was anti-mask, mm-hmm. meaning the KKK mask, meaning no one can be, be seen in public yeah. wearing a KKK mask. Yep. Anyone, her whole thing was, if you are found out as a yeah. member of the KKK get in out. public, you, you get out or you're arrested. Yeah, it was It was actually, at the time, it was a very polarizing stand. And yeah. I think it's part of what got her elected, to be perfectly yeah. honest. But it's also impressive because... Because she, keep in mind, she was a Democrat. She was, but it's just so impressive to think. Again, part of what we like to talk about on this podcast is... There's a perception of Texas that we are and have always been just this aggressively conservative Right Bigoted place. But and parts of that are true. And parts of that are true. There's truth to it. But, but we, peel back the curtain and there's these figureheads for mm-hmm, progressiveness for, and radical, for change. radical change born here from mm-hmm. here that played in the arena here. And that makes Ma Ferguson a Texas bad badass. Ass. Ma Ferguson, we salute you. Rest in peace, Ma. All right. So that is our segments. We do have a really, really fun guest for you today that we're going to get to Marty Butler, one half of the Butler Brothers branding shop right here in Austin. If you have been to an Austin FC game, mm-hmm. all of the color palette and the fonts and the branding and the marketing, excuse me have been done by them if you've ever partaken in a real L fireman's for the packaging the bottle mm-hmm. copy everything that you're interacting with marketing wise branding wise done by these guys Mark- marty is a friend and is so kind and so sweet super excited for y'all to hear from him before you listen to his interview we are loving doing this podcast we want to keep doing it we want you to help us, share this podcast, share text-ish underscore pod on your Instagram, Please share a link to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a follow on Spotify, give us a review, leave five stars if that's what you think we are, leave two stars if you think that's what we are. I don't are. care if you think we're two Just stars. Just click leave the stars. Five. Like, review, comment, share, all of the things. And listen, y'all, we will absolutely share the funniest reviews. So if you have a little bit of free time, and like, I feel like you've noticed by now, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. If you have it in you to leave a funny review, we will have a contest and read the funniest ones that we find. Truly, I think it's, I want to be, want all this to be something that you guys interact with us on. I want this to be shareable. I want to build an audience that creates as much content as we do uh so yeah like gunner said we we don't like being these guys but please like share subscribe talk about talk about us even if it's just making fun of us like like our sister cast our sister cast (laughs) austinish hyphen transplants only if you guys have a chance my wonderful friends, coworkers, Michaela and Lindsay. What started out out as a joke has actually turned into a pretty fun podcast in their own right. I laughed so hard. I laughed. Well, it was great because I laughed so much at the joke. Yeah. But then I laughed so much at the content. Oh my gosh! So these two are hilarious. <laughs> we're gonna sh- we've shared it once on our Instagram at texas underscore pod. Give us a follow. We're going to share some more of their stuff, our official sister pod, Austin-ish. They're going to be figuring this out as they go, just like we are, but we want to help them out as much as possible, so go give them a listen, but only after you have followed us on Spotify, commented, left the reviews, leave a funny review, leave a mean one. We like hate mail, and don't forget to share us with your friends, talk about us with your parents. Can't wait to keep making these. Can't wait for you to keep listening. Here's Marty Butler.
0: Marty Butler, everybody. Thanks, guys. That's quite an intro. (laughs) It
1: it is genuine. Very kind of you. I'm very, this is just a cool situation because we've already scheduled some other guests that we actually haven't met before or talked to, and I hung out with you last night. I get to see you semi-regularly throughout the year, and I'm super stoked to just get to share your story and your talents and just your take on what being a Texan is with our audience. So thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, we want to get to the work that you've done with Butler Bros, for sure, and even yeah. a little bit of the time you did with GSD&M and all of that. But first, just give us a little bit of background. Where are you from? What was your upbringing like here in Texas? Where'd you go to college? Just give us a bit of the genesis of Marty Butler.
0: Okay. Well, I was born in 1974 at Seton Hospital here in Austin. Okay. Okay. Um, I was the second of five total kids in my wow. family, and we were lucky enough to move to Austin, and, and our parents actually were, were smart enough to move to Austin in the late 60s and had their kids here.
2: Wow. That's awesome. So
0: they came from New York, like my dad, Long Island, my mom upstate in a dairy farm. My dad grew up in like a posh suburb of New York, like on Long Island, just Totally different worlds. Yeah. And they kind of, they they found Austin and rejected all of that and were <laughs> like, this is where we want to be. So they were like, they were early. Yeah.
1: yeah super early for what it sounds OG like. Austin,
0: yeah. That's like you could buy a house for $12,000. Can't if that anymore, can't. only. No. <laughs>
1: that just sounds like a cruel joke at this point. Yeah, you point. can't
0: get dinner for that. Now. <laughs> I was on Zillow the
1: other day, and I think I had a heart attack just looking at the cheap houses. Don't look. <laughs> just don't even look. Don't, don't bother. Don't look. That, yeah. yeah. That yeah. should be the Austin real estate slogan now. Don't, just, don't look. look. Don't look.
0: Don't look. Stay just, off Zillow. It's a panic attack. <laughs> so we, we all got raised up down South A Way, south of Ben White, Bubbaville. Nice. I have... I mean if you've watched King of the Hill, mm-hmm. a lot of those yeah. characters from Arlen are oh, like yeah. they're from South they're, Austin. They're from
1: South Austin. <laughs> yeah, I
0: had those neighbors That's awesome. that were amazing. Mm-hmm. Like rednecks that had like moved into Austin from the country. Yeah. To like get jobs, work for the state. Sure. Middle class just supremely funny Yeah. <laughs> tons of humor yeah. and said things that we didn't say in our house because we were born here we we're natives but we were like fresh off the boat yeah right. so I distinctly remember the first time that my neighbors said hey we're fixing to have dinner do y'all you want you and your brother want to come over and I was like fixing
2: fixing <laughs>
0: tell me more about this
2: yeah I
0: remember asking my parents yeah. about it so We had that unique thing where we kind of got to experience Texas anew, but be sons of the state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like? And maybe this is more retrospective to you sort of be brought up natively Texan, but to watch your parents embed themselves in Texas as New Yorkers. Was there anything unique about that just within the home?
0: Well, I think that, I mean, both my parents were highly educated. They are probably more educated than anyone we lived around in South Austin. Because yeah. my dad went to Boston College.
2: Oh, wow. Go All, Eagles. Yeah,
0: go, go Eagles. We're Doug Flutie people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that dude? Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, what, what? pint-sized, like, killer quarterback. Yeah, yeah.
1: he was awesome. Didn't yeah. he do the, the Hail Mary, the yeah. famous one, yeah. too? Yeah.
0: Was your dad was his at thing? that game? No. Okay. All right. My dad wasn't a big sports fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotcha. 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 He was, that's a whole other story. My dad is <laughs> not, my dad likes sports. Okay. Sure. Yeah. He liked when we played sports. Yeah. But he was not a sports fanatic.
1: Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So they were, uh, they were educated. They were open-minded and they really fit in with people that a lot of the neighbors that we had were working. Some of them blue collar sure. jobs didn't go to college. And the thing that we watched our parents do is just treat people like they are people. It didn't matter if you had, didn't have a pedigree right? and sort of like, who are you? It was more like, Hey, can, you know, your kids can come over and eat open door. Yeah. Hang out very like bohemian in that way, yeah. Yeah. but not hippies, but definitely open-minded. Yeah. 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 And welcoming.
1: I think that's something that, uh, get you a long way
0: here yeah well i think that's part of it right i think they i think most people that move here up till now (laughs) (laughs) have come because of the way it is and i still think that happens but there are ulterior motives now for why to come here which are typically financial Mm -hmm. um
1: it is what it
0: is yeah and that's just a new a new trend yeah, and
1: it's still very infant as far as the trend goes right yeah
0: like you know you know you can go to new york and like make it yeah, yeah. Or, or the west coast and like make a lot of money that yeah. wasn't the deal no, back I then heard. and our parents didn't come here for that they yeah. came here i think they would visit my aunt who had moved here okay. she was really the pioneer of the family
1: nice. gosh gotcha. i was gonna ask what was it that like you said with this lineage in new york long island sort of an established family probably an established hey, if you go to this college and do this job, you'll get this house. That's what my
0: mom thought she was marrying. <laughs> <laughs> and she thought that she would be in that lifestyle. Okay. And then my parents, after college, Vietnam was still going on. So my dad went to join the Navy to do flight training because he did the calculations. And he was like, this war is going to be over before I have to fly a mission, go in harm's way. He didn't yeah. want to go to war. Gotcha.
2: Right?
0: He ended up, that started in Florida. He ended up in Corpus as a um, an officer and did um maintenance. Gotcha, a yeah. maintenance officer. And then they would drive up to Austin where my aunt Eileen had moved. Okay. And married this crazy Texas guy that owned the RC <laughs> RC Cola bottling plant. Oh, Are you seriously? Really? Yeah. And they had this like typical suburban South Austin house, yeah. open door. They had five kids, the Mason oh clan, who we're all still friends with. They That's were like awesome. our That's beautiful. Yeah. they were our like model <laughs> siblings. <laughs> gotcha. Because they didn't hate each other, they didn't right. fight each other, they like got along. And you know, there's friction. <laughs> oh yeah. But there I'm was sure. not hate. Yeah. There yeah. was a lot of love. Lots and they're love. still that way. They That's take awesome. care of each other. That's awesome. so we had that built in as well. Yeah. As we came up, we spent tons of time and then my dad's other my dad's uncle jack who was a you know really kooky uh world war ii vet that was single his whole life never married lived out at the lake and we spent a lot of time out in like austin with him yeah but it was just a popper like he had very little money yeah but was play piano crazy irishman just like <laughs> super super interesting yeah and that was our like universe
2: gotcha yeah. all
0: those cousins and so it we weren't like from here, but we had a lot of family yeah. already, which yeah. I think was huge. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Now, I'm curious as, as you're growing up, uh, you have all these outside influences. You're obviously aware that there are possibilities outside of Texas. What are the things that kept you here or drew you back?
2: Mm.
0: Well, it's funny. When we were, you know, after college, Adam, Adam, my brother, and I, my business partner, um, you guys are brothers. No,
1: don't know what <laughs> don't that's know. like. Don't know what <laughs> <Just> being <laughs> brothers is like at all. <laughs> being brothers in creative endeavors. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me more.
0: <laughs> um, we we were at GSDM Advertising, mm-hmm. which is a you know
1: yeah, a, a great shop.
0: ad shop here in town that mm-hmm. some renegades started yeah. back in the day. Well, well, I'm not even
1: in the ad world, I want to give you yeah. credit here, but also paint that picture. If you go to New York and say oh, I work at GSDM, even even Sachi and Sachi people are like, oh wow, like, that's- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of my uh, schoolmates ended up at GSDNM. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, uh, it's got a great reputation, really and nice. we were there at a really good time. Mm-hmm. We were there like we got to experience it when it was independent mm-hmm. and it wasn't owned by a giant conglomerate, yeah. right? <laughs> which was cool. Yeah, yeah. There was you know Coors Light in the Coke machine. Yeah. yeah. And oh yeah. For free just hit, hit it, it fall down. like i was an intern now, I was that's like, a
1: very texas like, thing this right is there. <laughs> yeah they had the coors
0: light account and you remember, <laughs> <laughs> and you remember like coors came into texas and it yeah. was a big deal it's a huge
1: deal it yeah. flowed into texas i think is really what happened yeah and people
0: would drive to the borders to get <laughs> yeah. it like it was a thing <laughs> yeah. so they had that account which was really cool for us but what i was going to say is when we were there after a few years we got a recruiter call <laughs> to go to new york my brother and i were a creative team and it was a good job like it would have been like you know big manhattan mm-hmm. working um on like nike jordan brand
1: whole oh.
0: and we stared at that and we both were like let's fucking stay here
1: <laughs> wow
0: we we just couldn't wrap our heads around it yeah I don't, I don't exactly even understand why we didn't. We did get some advice from certain people, but,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, we were, our dad, we were not raised in a corporate family. Yeah. We were raised in, like, my mom was a homemaker that got had a career later. My dad <laughs> rejected his sort of, like, Long Island upbringing and became a painting contractor and owned his own business. Oh, very cool. Which was a very, like, spiritual journey for him. Yeah. yeah. You know, to kind of... Reject like this old New York, hard driving. My granddad was like, you know, Crack he the ha- web. oh he was just he was very successful. He was a golfer. He was a pilot. He they had the house. They had the help.
1: Yeah, I'm picturing a guy with an ascot on. I also so was right now, him. yeah and a monocle. Yeah.
0: So he rejected that ascot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was really hard on my dad. Sure. Yeah. My dad was a sensitive nice guy and my granddad it's a different era yeah
1: it was for sure
0: you know grandpa bill didn't know how to deal with that and i think his reaction was to go down on him but my what my dad did which was courageous which caused my mom definitely some stress was to kind of reject that he was trying to be a businessman and sell things and he said you know what? This isn't me. I want to start this other business, and she was like, "Okay," <laughs> and it all worked out. It was great. We got yeah. to be raised. So, I, I was heading into that thing, telling you guys, like, I, I think the New York thing just felt like we didn't even know how to process that.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. We were like local kids. We were already amazed that we got to do what we do here. Yeah. yeah. We were going to New York and L.A. for work, but we weren't living there. Right. We were like. Whoa! What's that? <laughs> and we like the people. Yeah, absolutely. And we—I think we were of were that generation still that was like loyalty. Like, let's have some years here. Let's build our name. Mm-hmm. And GSTM gave us all those opportunities. Yeah. And it also showed us potentially that we weren't just motivated by the creative
2: mm-hmm.
0: product, yeah. but by the people, like yeah. that yeah. we were around and how it went and how it felt, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah. So. Who knows, man? Maybe <laughs> I'd have a helicopter now. Uh, right maybe, maybe
1: so. I'm glad you don't have the helicopter and that. <laughs> you chose to stay here. I'm bookmarking where we are because I want to get right back here. So dad comes out. Your parents come to Austin. Raised in South Austin, natively Texan. What made you decide to... When we get to college, you know, what's making you decide to maybe pursue the creative side of things? And what made you decide to stay a little bit more local? Yeah. Even at the college?
0: Well, I mean, yeah. So for me, it was uh, a incur. My mother was very focused on our gifts differing Mm -hmm. and what we were like naturally interested in mm-hmm. and she would there's the booze just arrived <laughs> um, she would uh, she would take notice of what we were into and she yeah. would like grow that. Okay. And she from from a young age was like saw by like artistic bent and nurtured that. And you know in high school we had a neighbor once we moved out, Like Lake Travis area, kind of semi-country, one of our neighbors was a painter, like a professional. Okay. And she got me like a summer where I got to go into her studio and like learn from her one-on-one. Wow. And that was kind of like a turning point where it was like, you know, someone that sells their work for a living. (laughs) Not just like a hobbyist, but like she was a pro. And that kind of propelled me into college, and I took a lot of art classes. I didn't know about advertising, really. Yeah, It was like a lot of art classes. I started doing some mass communications classes. Sure. but
1: All at Texas State, correct?
0: Yeah, which was Southwest Texas at the time. At the time, yeah. Was, and yeah. you're
1: one of the few that actually started there and graduated there, correct?
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I spent five years there. Nice. Um, I think I still have a three-hour French class I need to finish.
1: <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think you're doing all right. Yeah. So
0: um, I'm not. I'm still a high school graduate, I guess. But I got a job. You know, I yeah. got a. I right. got a job. I was taking on student debt, and yeah. I was like, I'm out of here.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: tired of paying these people. I got a job. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I did the GCM. thing you're supposed to do. Yeah, we were. We wanted to work. We yeah. wanted to make money. So. That all worked out.
1: Yeah. And yeah, what absolutely. I just got to ask, what was San Marcos like in that time? Because I feel like even with, you know, Richard Linkliters, everybody wants some. Um, it's like a snapshot of probably what Southwest Texas State was and just Texas college in general was in the 70s, 80s. What was your experience like just in Texas, even in college at that time?
0: Um, I mean, we went from Lake Travis, which was like kind of preparatory for frat life, into San Marcos. Me and several friends yeah. went to school there. We all joined the same fraternity. Yeah, it was like as stereotypical as you can imagine. I mean, with the motivations that we had around securing booze and beer,
2: <laughs>
0: um, the dress code was like full-on jeans red wing boots long wallets button downs the whole like the whole thing the whole thing we were all in it was like we would go two-stepping we were raised two-stepping like we would go to dance clubs even through high school but two-stepping a lot of like live music you know there was good little clubs down there in yeah. san Marcos. um a lot of country music had fraternity brothers that like had country bands and would yeah. play. It was very like, and it was, it was pretty chill yeah. down there, you know. The my regret is I didn't spend enough time or as much time as I should have on the river.
1: Gotcha. Sure. Yeah.
0: The river's like it is. Have y'all swam in that river?
1: I I've done it once, and it it was the one time in my entire college career that I thought A and M was maybe not the best choice just because it runs right through the campus and everyone's hanging out there and you just jump in whenever you want
0: yes it was (laughs) it's insane and it's crystal clear crystal clear
1: and it's not pretty much anywhere else like that is the place
0: it's one of the most clear i think yeah and it's easily accessible so looking back sometimes i'll talk to my college friends like why weren't we down there like (laughs) all the time all the time Because there wasn't a bar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We hadn't figured out the a bar yet. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: were, you know, I I look back on that college experience, and I talked to Clark, my son, about this, and I'm just like, and I don't think he'll do this, but we were so motivated by that stuff. I think it was, we burned a lot of time on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And looking back on that, I'm kind of like, really? I could have done some other stuff. Yeah, sure. And I hope my kids don't. Sure. have to like fuel their social life around alcohol to have fun. Yeah. Cause that was definitely the centerpiece yeah. of every weekend mm-hmm. was True. like getting blasted with our yeah. friends, which was like really fun and reckless. And like I said, it was like, you know, it was the nineties. So yeah, a little different era. Yeah.
1: And there's definitely something to be said about the adventure to get the fuel for the fire. Uh, our dad tells stories about he's from San Angelo. Yeah. Driving to Austin to grab Shiner, you know, and coming back. If, if anybody was headed out, they had the list of like, this is what we need, and all right, we'll pick it we'll up and sure throw it in the it truck. May, just collecting money all around town to get big things of Shiner, which you couldn't get everywhere at that point.
0: Oh, is that limited? Yeah, it was that limited whenever he yeah. was
1: in, you know, about that age. And but, uh, yeah. so what? Shiner. <laughs> Shiner boss. So, yeah. It's been
0: a minute since I had
1: one. Well, you guys are a uh, 512, right? Or Real Ale. Or Real Ale, sorry, yeah, Real Ale. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We, we worked with Real Ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I love 512. Yeah, Those guys good. are awesome.
1: Um, def- man, there's so many things I want go so over. so many things, it. right? So many things. <laughs> Trying to make Beer. it like a linear journey. Beer. is a whole other Beer's part of podcast. Uh, um, so at what point did, you hinted at, you know, you didn't really realize advertising could be around. Yeah. So how did advertising and specifically, you know, GSD and M, yeah. in the picture and just what was that journey like
0: yeah you? well i mean again my parents being prescient and making good choices we moved from south austin out to the lake mm-hmm. and i say the lake we didn't live on the lake we lived off highway 71 west gotcha if you know where rosie's tamale house is yes. yes across the street from there in the homestead
1: shouts out rosie's okay rosie's go. you can
0: still go get you some nachos compuestas. Yeah. there, you there we go and they're you know, it hasn't changed the same flatware, like Mm -hmm. nothing's changed, (laughs) which is amazing. Um, But we moved out there because my mom started to see some of the schools in South Austin were not, I mean, again, they were educated. They had like, Mm -hmm. they were looking for a higher standard. And Lake Travis was a three, a school that was super well-funded. They had like programs and like nice new buildings and They were attracted to that. So we moved out there and in the homestead where we moved, eventually we became friends with a lot of kids that were in there and a girl that was in my class. Her dad is the G in GSTNM.
1: Ah, there it is.
0: Steve Gersich, who just died.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that.
0: Yeah. He was, he was a terrific guy and had lived a full life, but I think cancer got him, but I'm not sure. Um, They didn't talk a lot about that, but. Um, So we kind of knew what yeah. advertising was, but it still wasn't in our, like, you know, crosshairs. Yeah. But Amy, the, the, the woman who grew up with us, said when she was young to her dad, like, those butler boys are weirdos. Like, <laughs> they might fit in. They might
1: fit I in, know, maybe. Right?
0: With your ragtag group of people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so really, I have to credit, like... Adam, my older brother, yeah. now business partner, like got a job in the mail room okay. in high school okay. and was like, you know, an errand boy. Mm-hmm. And part of the errands were like, take Steve Gersich's Suburban to the cleaners and get it detailed and drive it back. Yeah. And that grew into like later in college, getting an internship, him telling me like, you should get an internship here. And I did. I got an internship there okay. and it was, that's when the, like, it was like, Oh God, what is this? <laughs> yeah, This is a candy store <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're in. Yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely so great. I, I mean, having an older brother that's like responsible and he got that job. He Sorry, didn't. Buddy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he
0: didn't screw it up. You know, he yeah. earned more trust sure. made friends started to build the butler name in there so it was easier for me my sister bridget who runs our shop now ended Mm -hmm. up working there too as an intern um but i got my first internship was with kelly walther who was their art buyer okay and an art buyer if you know or don't know would negotiate every contract for like a photo shoot or an illustration that needed to be done for like all like print collateral stuff not tv felt yeah. like print and my job was to sit with her and file away all the stuff that was coming in that was done or route stuff that was coming in like it wasn't digital so yeah. if there was a photo shoot film would come in right via fedex and we would catalog it and distribute it to the art directors to look through it they would ask me to go through it and make selects so i was like <laughs> just looking at this right. material from all over the country that yeah. was like super high quality creative mm-hmm. and it was like a uh, going into school
1: yeah yeah and you're like drinking from a fire firehouse. Firehouse. everything's coming at you as and well then, as the cores that was in the right the as well shade. as the, yeah <laughs> yes
0: there was that i mean it was just like it was the first time i mean it was fun to work in restaurants we all worked in restaurants yeah. we yeah. were young it was exciting yeah But to be there, you felt like around every corner, you were like going to discover some new secret, you know? Right. And Kelly was really cool. She was like this Austin chick that would listen to classic rock on the radio every day. And we would sit in this small office together with all these files and I would work on filing and we'd chat. (laughs) And she was just so down to earth and low key. And I would listen to her negotiate with photographers and illustrators and like, do that whole process, which was, like, a whole eye-opening thing about, like, how to how to get people to work with you and yeah. how to get people to work within your budgets. Yeah. And I still, yeah. I use that to this day. That's um, awesome. That taught me how to
2: go Just learning people. by
1: osmosis.
0: Yeah, just watching. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I, that's the problem with our, like the professional society is that there's not enough of that. Right. If you're a tradesman, that's part of it. Like get on the job site. Yes. Yes. Which is, that's why people need to do insurance internships, but you learn so much more by being around it. And we were drawn. That's why like I left college. I was like, I'm in like, I'm already there. It was like you were
1: (laughs) in college again, but it was actually relevant. Yeah.
0: Yes. And, and a, and a, a thing that prompted that too, is I had a advertising professor that was like the ad 101 yeah. sure the basic ad class <laughs> and I went to him at the beginning of the semester and I said "He's just this total dorky dude and I was like hey man I'm gonna be here I'm gonna pay attention but I, I got an internship at GSTNM so it, it they want me there and I'm gonna go and I may miss class and he was like well there's a pretty strict policy in the mass communication department if you miss class more than, like, X times, you know, you're going to drop letter grades. And and I said, well, I mean, I got an I internship.
1: Mean, I, at <laughs> I did the in. thing that you're training me to do. I'm
0: going to live it.
1: Yeah, dude, don't even get And start he talking.
0: just, he, he, like, wouldn't yeah, budge. Yeah. And I, I failed that class. I failed advertising. And that was a big, like. <laughs> that's so,
1: oh, my God. You know. That's that's so typical. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best advertisers in Austin failed his advertising class. I, I mean, I would argue right? the best advertiser in Austin. Oh,
0: I can yeah. introduce you to some others <laughs> they are better.
1: No, I would disagree. But so you do the internship. Adam is there as well. Yeah. So uh, you, and, you and your brother are creative partners. Yeah. So at what point did you get put on a team together?
0: Okay. That's a good question because that's a good story. Yeah. Um, we were... I had gone from working in that filing room to um, working as like a production support person. So I was working in the computer and helping art directors build ads and do like technical work. Less it's still on the creative side, but you're like a factory worker. You mm-hmm. know, your job is to make the file right and get it out the door and the right specs and everything else. And so Adam had gotten a job as a traffic manager. Traffic in a big agency like that was a paper job. It wasn't digital yet, and it was opening jobs. He, w- he was the traffic manager for Southwest Airlines. So every job that Southwest Airlines did, from a napkin with a clever line on it to a print ad to a TV spot, had to be opened and trafficked through the agency. And gotcha. he did that. So he learned from some amazing people, like how a shop works and what traffic even is and how to like keep track of all that. Meanwhile, I was like getting deeper into this like art thing and working with a lot of art directors and spending a lot of time with art directors in computer lab and just watching them and learning from them. And then we had a mentor that Doug Lyon, who, Doug Lyon was the superstar at GSDM. He was the guy. He was young. He had long hair. He went to UT. He was a complete pot smoker nice. in the best way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was just wildly creative, super ambitious, and he he saw us in him, like because he was he wasn't some pedigreed like. You know some of these people go to these ad schools they go through like the coasts and then they like yeah. come to GSDM and they're kind of like, look at me. Mm-hmm. He was very different than that. So we were simpatico on that front and he what he did was he he turned us into a, like a creative team for him. And so we were doing those other jobs, but right. moonlighting as a creative team and coming up with ideas at night with him, yeah. or all day, like whenever we had. Sure, time. Whenever you
1: had time yeah.
0: And whenever something would strike you, write it down, write the script. Mm-hmm. And what he did also, Doug was such an honorable person. Is he didn't take our ideas. If we had an idea that he liked, he'd help us work it up. But he would also bring us into presentations. Oh wow! He would take us into the you know executive creative director's office, guy Barmerito, and be like, "Hey, these these guys came up with this. Read this script." Yeah. So he was in... This is a huge problem in our industry where people like hide say, yeah. talent and yeah. they take advantage of young talent. It's like, you know...
1: Part parcel, yeah.
0: It's in a lot of industries where there's ideas that make things... People get... You know, they make money. So yeah. Doug started that and we started to get the rhythm of coming up with ideas and would sell little things. Like one of the first things I sold was a poster for Texas Lottery okay. for their Halloween promotion. <laughs> And it was just a hand coming out of a grave site, holding the the lottery (laughs) ticket you were supposed to buy. But it was like we hired a photographer. We got to go out to you know at night and like set up the shoot and art direct the hand and what's the makeup and there's it's complicated. You start to like go, oh my god, like there's so
1: much involved in this. Yeah, there's
0: eight people out there, like. (laughs) And then I got the image back and retouching it and. Yeah. Setting type on it. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. That's awesome. So he gave us that opportunity. And again, we didn't squander it. We worked really hard and the agency pitched uh, Mazda. Okay. And it was a big deal for them because they've never had, they had never had an auto account.
1: And auto accounts are pretty huge.
0: It's a thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And agencies that can secure a big one, there's just a ton of revenue that rolls through. They're constantly they thing. have and to advertise, a, yeah. They have to they have to, they have to,
1: uh, mm-hmm. and it's a guarantee, yes, that you're gonna have you're gonna X get amount. the return. Mm-hmm.
0: So they were chasing it hard. Yeah. We were these, you know, those kind of pitches would be like everybody can play,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And Doug got us the brief and said, You know, you guys do this, you guys want to do this? We were like, Yeah, we <laughs> we we worked hard on that, yeah, yeah. and. We came up with an idea true to Doug's like model, which was like a big flip. So, it RC Cola, this is the second time we'll bring up RC Cola. That's oh, going right? to be one okay. of your, okay. your brands yeah, that, that you guys can't. Uh, it's going to yeah. be uh,
1: one of our non-sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> non-sponsors. I heard that on one of your podcasts. That's funny.
0: <laughs> but, uh, do you remember an RC Cola spot where it was, uh, you need to Google this if you don't, but it's, a. It is a, um, a commercial fishing rig. Okay. And, like, these guys go out on the ocean to do, like, big, big, like... Um, it's not even commercial. It's the... Like, when you're going to catch a um
1: Like marlon. a trophy fishing. Or like a deep-sea fishing. Deep-sea oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But the teams were, like, Coke and Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were... They put their can on the line, threw it in the water, <laughs> and they... Um, they were bringing people out of the water okay and the whole idea was do you feel fished in by like these when you have this other choice you're not even thinking about yeah. an rc presented and that spot won like every award yeah. it's still amazing i've i watched it two years ago again <laughs> you can find it online yeah doug did that spot so wow. we got to watch him like oh wow like he took this really cool thing and put a person in place of a fish and that was a crazy idea so we came up with this idea um whereas what if cars could choose people and it was all about like people lots and cars would choose you based on who you were okay and that idea like went to the very top of the agency and the founder was like roy spence was like this is the big idea and we're going to build the whole pitch out of this and like they went and pitched it and they lost oh <laughs> but they said well right. what do you want out of this and we said we want jobs in the creative department as yeah. a creative team and we yes. got we got jobs
1: that's awesome that's awesome that is so cool so what was the what was the next or even the first account that y'all worked on as the official creative team of
0: Butler bros. butler bros the butler boys as steve gersuch used to say <laughs> there go. he'd go i don't know about this butler bros thing later when we had started the agency <laughs> say, y'all should have done the butler, butler boys that's
1: almost worse because he's an advertising guy <laughs> just so like, he's not sliding you as a neighbor he's like no
0: you should have done sense. this yeah like <laughs> butler boys is more interesting
1: yeah
0: um but we worked on um the very first thing we worked on was a Texas Parks and Wildlife PSA okay. Okay. for a thing called Kidfish, okay. and it was a uh, it was a program that got kids to fish. They would stock tanks out around Texas, and kids would show up. and We made a commercial um, about that about one of the drivers. They drive these trucks full yeah. of fish. I'm sure you've seen them. Yeah, and, like oh, yeah. open the gates on it, and all it's... these fish fly out.
2: Yeah,
0: and. Then we started working on Brinker Restaurant Group, okay. and we're working on, like, you know... That was Chili's On the Border.
1: Yeah, man. Oh, yeah.
0: On the Border was, like, one of our first big... That was our first big L.A. shoot.
2: Wow.
0: Where we, you like... Flown out and doing
2: the... Yeah, data. like, we...
0: You know, that that Kidfish spot was, like, local, sure. regional, shot on 16-millimeter film with a good local director, but it was a smaller deal. And then... You know, those brinker spots were, like, $250,000, $300,000 budgets. Yeah. And it was, like, we get to go to L.A. and experience that whole thing. And it involved a horse and a grocery store. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah.
1: That's and a it was, fun day of shooting.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a vaquero character that they had established for on the border. Yeah. It's looking back, it's like super cheesy. Sure. <laughs> but to us, like it was selling a chicken and shrimp dish. Yeah. <laughs> and this vaquero went into the grocery store and went to the counter where you order chicken and shrimp and yeah. ordered it from like the butcher okay.
2: guy. Gotcha. That
0: was the whole joke. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but which was absurd and not really <laughs> that great but we were in LA yeah, yeah
1: didn't care on a
0: yeah. shut down a whole grocery store like yeah. a, a, a full movie crew it. and a and a horse came in and we had it storyboard where the horse galloped up and <laughs> jumped over like the, you know the turnstiles or the yeah. the the cashier area to like get into the store and it was sure. super dramatic and the stunt coordinator was like Are you, the horse has to walk.
2: <laughs> so if you were to watch that spot, it's like oh, yeah. click, click, <laughs> click. click, click, click.
0: It still had like the whole, like you know, spaghetti western yeah. thing, that but brings, it was just cheesy.
1: That brings up something I'm always curious about. I've been on the other side of those things uh, as an actor. As an actor. Yeah. Uh, casting and whatnot. And the spot always changes. Yes. So from your perspective, and that's a great segue into like you wanted the horse to jump over the thing. How often do you encounter Positions where you have to solve the problem creatively.
0: Yeah. Constantly, especially with making like TV.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, That, that project kind of exposed us for the first time to like the casting conundrum.
2: Sure. Because it was a vaquero. Right.
0: And we at that time were young and we, but we were idealistic and, and we had went through, you know, 200 vaqueros Mm -hmm. and narrowed it down to some guys that looked like they were straight out of Mexico. Like we really gravitated towards like authentic Mm -hmm. and the client whitewashed it.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: Totally whitewashed it. She was like, this needs to be more aspirational. They use all those terms that we were like, what? What? And they picked this guy that just looked like he was from, you know, Bollywood.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And we were just kind of awestruck and right. disappointed.
1: And then they go into makeup and they put the mustache on him. And you're like, but that guy had a, mu- I don't. Yes. It, it makes you crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. You've experienced that in a very different a way. Very different way. Yeah. And it was, I, we got to w- go into those casting sessions. I was, I was Rolly is an yeah, actor. Yeah. We were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> super crazy, funny friend. Who we're going to
1: get on the show, by the way. <laughs> oh my
0: God. Rolly's amazing. But you know, we were like in that power seat where we got to pick, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I saw the actors come in and really try to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of compassion for them, Absolutely. you know. And the hardened pros would be like, "Whatever," yeah. but we were like, "God, these people are like, this is their livelihood. If they can, and if I didn't realize it then, but if you can score a gig as on, in a TV spot, you could get a thirty thousand dollar check out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a make or break mm-hmm. for your for whole your year. year.
1: For your year, yeah."
0: Just get one or two of them, and you're like set, right?
1: Once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Uh, I mean, all the commercials right now are going non-union. Yeah, which is a big whole yeah. Different,
0: totally, totally
1: understand it from a budgetary perspective. Uh, but there are few. But the big
0: nationals if you, you can get an AT and T. AT
1: and T. Variety. You know. Well, we didn't big car even. Commercials and yeah, like,
0: yeah, and yeah. and we didn't even realize it till. When we owned our shop, sure. uh, cast or a location scout came by and said, "Hey, we're doing an AT and T sure. spot. We need small businesses. Can we look at your space?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure. You know, we'll oh. rent it to you for the day." We knew we could get a few grand out yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. And he ended up sending our picture to the director, and they're like, "They want to cast real people," and it was totally a union job. And they, yeah, we got cast into this spot, made the cut,
2: mm-hmm.
0: ended up on the air, and started getting the checks the first time and only time in my life. And I was like,
2: oh, my God.
0: Another, like, $12,000 check. Right.
1: It was yeah. insane. It's insane.
0: And I was like, it all clicked, though. I was like, that's why those people had that look on their face when they came in the casting uh-huh. session. Because it's like like gold. Like, if it you really can get is. it and if you can connect and make yeah. that impression. That's and hard, man. It's very tough. Very, very hard to be rejected like that so many times, you right? You
1: get bulletproof pretty fast. But same thing with the like doing creative briefs. How many times you submit something or you, you come up with something for a client and they just shoot it down, or your superior is like, No, do it again. Same thing, you just have to be, yeah, a you group.
0: have to be resilient. You do, yeah, and we learned that for sure. Where you fall, learn not to love your ideas so much, right? Because you know, they're malleable. Precious. You already said that, like, they the creative process, like, it, it's just full of stumbling blocks. And yeah. the problem is, is people get their mind set on something mm-hmm. and they can't bend, right? But the trick is is that some people bend too far yeah. and where where is the thing that you're protecting. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And like casting the vaquero, it's like
0: Yeah you don't want to bend put your foot far. down yeah, yeah, yeah. and say this is you know BS. Um, knowing when to do that and how to do that is right. a whole art form in itself. Well
1: and you Ooh. have to learn how to do that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's gonna be moments where you do it wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah and I think support. that's why we when we started our shop, mm-hmm. we started to design a system where it was more collaborative, less adversarial.
1: Yeah. So radical that collaboration. Radical occurs.
0: collaboration. Yeah. It's the whole idea. And that notion is built out of this, what we saw as these clients that would mm-hmm. show up that yeah. were, make it this white guy. Just like kind of dismissive. Yeah. And we were like, wait, we're all on the same team here. Yeah. Like, let's work together. Let's get to know each other. So we we've built a system that is more apt to do that. Doesn't mean every client behaves, but
1: right. So you're working through GSDNM Yeah. And at what point do you and your brother decide, hey, we got to start our own shop?
0: Yeah, we never had that conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it just kind of happened. It's about how this. Well, we
0: were happened happy. Out. We Fair were there. Enough. We were, you know, we had. I was living in a in a duplex on West Campus. Um, by myself in half of a very tidy, wood-floored 1940s bungalow duplex that was killer. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Making, and it was $350 a month, my rent. Wow. And I was making $27,000 a year, and I was fucking rich. <laughs> right. For the first time in my life. Yeah. I was like, I, I was rich in that all my bills would be paid without mm-hmm. worry. I could go, like, buy something if I wanted it. Yeah. I wasn't like really wanting anything, but But I could go to the store and go like, you know, whatever food we want, let's get (laughs) it. Let's
1: get it. We can (laughs) totally afford it. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: that was a really like super interesting feeling. Um so that went on and we got pay raises and they were generous and we worked really hard and we kind of got like, you know, new positions as senior creatives and all that was rolling along, and I think we saw a pretty long runway there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I took a vacation with one of my best friends who lived in the homestead with us, Jared Dutton, who we went out to Big Bend. And we grew up out there, went to high school together, middle school, high school, um, played football together. We're just super tight, young, like friends. He got. He was a writer at GSTNM as well, so he got into the creative department there as an Aggie.
1: There go. Hey, that's also very rare.
0: Well, we know <laughs> we know a bunch of weirdo Aggies. We call they're them. out there for sure. We're working. Oh yeah, they're holding it down. Oh yeah, Randall Ford. There, yeah, that's
1: there it true. is. It's
0: true. Ron Pippin, I mean, shiny the, object. He's, Lyle Lovett.
1: Lyle Lovett.
0: Right, there's some real super creative, yep. wacky Aggies. <laughs> So, Jared and I took a vacation to Big Bend, and we did like a pretty hardcore backpacking trip up to the Southwest Rim. Nice. Camped out, bombed down the mountain, went down to the river, went over to Mexico. And our plan was to stay in Mexico, hang out for a while in Boquias, speaking of guys like Robert Earl Keane and Gringo Honeymoon. Yeah. That's the song, the town the song's written about. And we went down to the hot springs, and they were kind of dried up and didn't look very good, so Jared decided to jump in the Rio Grande. But he dove in, and he broke his neck. And it was the two of us there in Big Bend. And so, you know, I went in the water and got him, and finally got help down there. We got to be rescued by the park's police from Big Bend National Park. It was it was insane. And it was like a life altering experience. He was paralyzed. We drove to Alpine that night with ambulances. He was airlifted the next day to Lubbock, then to Houston for months of therapy. Very nearly died in the hospital. Um, I came home from that experience. <laughs> Like some people go to the desert and take mushrooms and have right. an awakening. <laughs> <laughs> this happened to me
2: Yeah,
0: and Jared it happened to both of us. Yeah. And I had some reckoning to do. I, it caused me immediately to like, look at everything and go, what am I doing? Like what, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had never really done that before. Yeah. I mean, being the younger brother of somebody who has a lot of direction. Sure. There's like, there's a, there's a wake that you're riding, you know? And this was different, because this was like something brand new for me. And, you know, Susanna and I were friends at the time. We we weren't really dating yet. And when I got home from, I had gone to Lubbock for like two weeks to be with him and his family while he got like settled into ICU there. Um, I came home and no one knew what to say, you know? Because they were like, oh man, you know? And Susanna had put uh, milk and cookies on the front porch of that little duplex I lived at with a note. It was super sweet, yeah. but that kind of clicked, where I was like, "Who is this girl?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like she knew that she knew what to do. Yeah. yeah. And so we started to date okay. right after that, and that progressed. And I was still at GSDM, but it was just like that gnawing thing and. Susanna was from Austin, and we were dating, and everyone's like, y'all are perfect. You should get married. And that feeling where people push you together. Yeah. yeah. And we, we knew we were super compatible, but then we started to hatch a plan to leave. Mm-hmm. And I had another high school friend who had moved up to Oregon, and he said, you come stay with me. So we quit our jobs, and we moved up to Oregon. And I just, I, like, resigned very, like, graciously from GSC Susanna was working at KLRU TV, like Austin city limits. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had it made in the shade. Yeah. We were like in <laughs> Austin, we had good jobs, our friends and family were here, but it was like that, you know, that thing that happened was enough to like, go, don't just sit here, do something else. Mm-hmm. So we did and no jobs, just a, some numbers and a Rolodex right. for people to call when we got there. Like, yeah. There's some famous ad agencies and stuff up there. So yeah, there was work right. to do, but it wasn't about the work. It was about an adventure. So that 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 was a year, and we okay. ended up getting married out there. Okay, I proposed to her with a loose diamond that I had bought
2: That's from
0: Vernon, Texas.
1: Nice. Fern.
0: If you know where Vernon is. No, we,
1: know. we know where Vernon we is. Know where Vernon is.
0: Yep. So a buddy of mine from college, like, he's from Vernon, and I was telling him, like, he had just gotten engaged, and I was like, yeah. "Where'd you get the ring?" And he's like, oh, "I got a jewelry lady in Vernon." In
1: <laughs> So I
0: called her and told her what I wanted, and the she shipped
1: people it. people in <laughs> Right. <laughs> it happens to be. Happens to be jewelry.
0: Yeah, and so I got this package, and there's this loose princess cut diamond in oh, there, wow, wow, wow. and I had this elaborate plan to get it set. And one night we had some wine, and I went down to the basement and got it, and proposed with it. And she like opened it and dumped it in her hand, and it's <laughs> like a loose. <laughs> She's like, uh, she said yes. Uh, so we I got married that, out there. Yeah. But, you know, Oregon's tough. It's – West Coast is kind of sure. freaky. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> when you're from Texas. Yeah, like, when you're from Texas, it's a whole different – You've experienced that. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's the energy of it. It's different. It's
1: a wholly different mm-hmm. energy.
0: It's kind of like it's – there's something about it where it felt like you're on the edge because it's, like, spiritually that way where there's a lot of, like – just non-believers there's a mm. lot of like drugs mm-hmm. it was just edgier and that yeah, would hit me edgy. yeah yeah
1: I don't know about you but I I often felt like you know you said on the edge and I all I often felt like I was just observing and that I not that I was judgmental or in any way you know trying to separate myself but like I couldn't get in even if I wanted
0: right you weren't even
1: allowed part it. Of it. I wouldn't <laughs> even allow yeah yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's fascinating and we we made some great friends there we're about to go back and visit some of them i'm sure you have those people that you connected with but overall the darkness in the winter was a surprise and brutal like oh my
1: god dude, it really depresses people oh yeah like you get actually physically affected
0: yeah i got physically affected by it and Susanna was like
1: you good? <laughs> yeah. You're
0: down in the basement reading the old testament. What's up? <laughs> oh,
1: <man. laughs> yeah. just need a change. <laughs> well, I, I
0: you know, I it's the first time I ever had a basement. Yeah. And I put my desk down there and sure. I was like, My office. Right, man, so came and off. I wasn't thinking at all about seasonal affective. <laughs> and here I am in this basement in the winter Whole with dark. no just like yeah. on my computer and it was all good. But yeah. Susanna was like and so Adam and I started to talk. We missed Austin. We missed the yeah. the culture of Texas. This yeah. is a this is about Texas. Yeah. True. But Texas is um, it's super friendly. Yeah. It is there's a lot of optimism in Austin. Um, there's a lot of naivete and kind of like <laughs> innocence yeah. in the town. I We're him. yeah, which I love. <laughs> That's how we are. We're like yeah kids in a candy store everything's exciting
1: it's not that it's just it's not that there's so many possibilities it's that everything is possible yeah yeah you know yeah and people
0: are open so all that we missed and you know I was freelancing out there Susanna was working on a political campaign mm -hmm. it was like super lefty (laughs) yeah yeah Um, Oregonians for health security they like took a bunch of seniors down to Mexico to buy prescription drugs to like show the whole like show the whole thing yeah like how (laughs) terrible it is that people have to do that Mm -hmm. um so we we came back yeah you know we bought a house sight unseen in East Austin Mm -hmm. um nice but kind of before internet realty was a thing like we knew a realtor and My whole family went over and looked at the house in East Austin. They were like, "This is a great." My dad approved it, like from a structural
1: (laughs) standpoint. standpoint. Yeah, like I didn't want to buy some
0: worm-eaten, you know, house. The
1: house I'm in right now is about to split down the middle, so I'm. (laughs) We avoided (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) And just for perspective, what year is this? Uh,
0: That we moved back, Mm -hmm. Um, it was like 2003. Okay.
1: Okay, yeah. So right before East Austin started to get a little bit of that traction yeah and this
0: was northeast and east 51st yeah, yeah, in okay. that neighborhood before Mueller was there gotcha, yeah gotcha. so right above there off of uh Broadmoor like Bartholomew Park mm-hmm. yeah. and you know this this realtor was keen he was like you guys are first-time buyers mm-hmm. and being from Austin like southwest Austin right it was like
1: what are you talking about
0: what, what's up there
1: that's that's not Austin. <laughs> is that even Austin yeah, yeah that's, and that's Round Rock
0: but we were focused on finding a house. Like yeah. we wanted a house. It was a hundred and thirty thousand dollars.
1: You've got to stop making. you, you got really to stop, stop doing jokes, this. Marty. It's really. Uh... I'm just. This is important <laughs> because
0: that that's the part of Austin that it's it's scary for us to watch. Because yeah, right. I only bring that stuff up to say there was it was a lot of mobility
2: here. Yeah.
0: yeah. Three hundred fifty dollar rent. A hundred and thirty thousand dollar house. Like.
2: Yeah.
0: Our banker gave us that money. I didn't even have a full time job. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a loan for that house. I, I found the paperwork like six months ago. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think our mortgage was $800 a month.
1: Oh my God. You're hurting my feelings.
0: But we sold that house, bought a more expensive one. Nice. <laughs> so we're screwed too. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's just, it, that's what's changed. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it was a city that was like easy, mm-hmm. cheap. Mm-hmm. And it was really low pressure in that way. Yeah. So I think that's what made it so creative is that people don't do well when they're under pressure. They yeah. certainly don't have good ideas.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: So if you're not under a lot of pressure to perform or, like, make money, right. and that was the whole slacker culture. Yeah. So we were the recipients of that, but we've watched it wane.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now where it's more, it's just more competitive. Much more
1: competitive. Much more tech-oriented. And tech. that makes it... There's something about, we'll get back to the story because it's just so we're talking about. There's something about that that makes what used to be a just everyone's welcome. Yeah. All are welcome. It Wear changes Speedo, it. Do, what, do whatever you want. You are welcome right. here. You used mm-hmm. to be a part of this. And you've been here longer than I have your, your whole life, basically. Yeah. Even the three years that I've done on and off in Austin, I'm watching the the welcoming part of everything start to break down and break down. And that don't move here. Don't, don't move uh, here. Don't, my feelings? I know.
0: Yeah, but I get it. I know. But it's, it's, if you really unpack it and look at it close, it's pretty cruel yeah. thing mm-hmm. to tell somebody when you're simultaneously, like mostly liberal, like all, oh, all welcome. Yeah. All means y'all means all. Yeah, I'm always like, You don't really mean
2: that. You don't mean that.
1: (laughs) It's so (laughs) antithetical to what I always felt like Austin stood for. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and it it happens over and over in communities where competition goes up Mm -hmm. because the scarcity of resources, people get territorial, and then they start to lash out at the people they perceive to be the ones that are causing the problem. Right. But in reality, the reason that we have this problem um, is, in my opinion, because... Of our tax structure at the state Mm -hmm. level, it's so advantageous for businesses to come here. They almost have to like our government has dared them like try to make it out west, and they're coming, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's accelerated.
1: And they always gravitate toward Austin.
0: Yes, and and for good reason, Mm -hmm. right? And but Houston and Dallas, Mm -hmm. same thing, booming. Yeah, San Antonio's booming. Mm -hmm. And that's all well and good, but I always tell, like, super conservative guys, then vote for a liberal because they'll create the tax problem for all these companies. They won't move here. Because... Why would you otherwise? Yeah. It's hot as hell. It's, California's <laughs> beautiful.
1: It's true. <laughs> it's That's beautiful. It's it gorgeous, theory. yeah.
0: That's my theory.
1: Dude, I, living out there for seven years, I, I was telling him the other day, it spoiled me, man. I it's The so weather. Whatever. Oh, 75 and sunny every day. I mean, we're basically having a California summer right now. It was 75 degrees at the FC game last time. That night. was insane. That was crazy. I'm sure that was beautiful. Climate change. Climate change, exactly. Um,
0: yeah, the weather out west, though. It's funny that... It, like, it's hard to beat. Oh, it's impossible to beat. So good.
1: You go, you go up to like Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, where you don't have like the the pollution stuff that you have in L.A., and you never want to leave. I know,
0: that is some it's, good it, living.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this um, is a show about Texas, guys. It's Tex-ish. It's also about <laughs> it's some also things about that are, are not Texas. Not. And <laughs> what? what's more, what's more Texan than adventure? That's buying fair. an Airstream and living by the <laughs> beach for a little while. Yeah, you can go out
0: there and still yeah. be a Texan. That's, yeah. that's true. You're a, an ambassador at that point. That's, that's fair. That's, that's how fair. I like
1: to look at it. What, I mean, being raised here yeah. and having a business here, buying a house for $130,000,
2: <laughs>
1: what, what has it been like for you the past five years even just to watch the city change and watch what... What is growth, but it's changed too. So, yeah. what is it like for you, just from where you sit, to see Austin change? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, for us, what Adam and I see and what we realize is that our opportunities have increased because of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So,
0: like, Austin FC. Yeah. Like we're
2: gonna
0: get to that. That <laughs> that 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 wouldn't have happened unless yeah. what's happening is happening.
2: Yeah.
0: And you know, Anthony Precourt's from California.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
0: know. Um, he owned a team in Columbus, but he's a California guy, yeah, so very right. typical, like yeah. California minded investor. Like, let's go there. Let's that's go the right. future. Hey, hey. Yeah. But it, it is—it's strange. Like, I—I I tend to get a little negative on the whole like cost of living thing and sure. the, that problem. And you know, some of my friends will bring me out of that and just be like, "Hey, man, that's just what happens when a city is, it is an popular, it thing, yeah. it's
2: good. and
0: we're the it thing." Yeah. Um, so. For the most part i'm good with it and it's been exciting i mean we have texas children's hospital as a client yeah. in houston and they're coming here yeah. yeah and the reason that we have them as a client is because they're coming here and building hospital
1: yeah and that's a good thing
0: yeah. it's a good thing yeah. for austin to have yeah. like an amazing they're incredible the best. right they're the best in cool. texas the yeah. number three in the, in the world <laughs> and they're pioneers yeah. and that gets to come here mm-hmm. and up the game so that's all very positive yeah um, I think the thing that, that hangs me up a little bit are the, the opportunities for young people to, like, own, which I think is tricky. And tricky. And as the years have gone by as someone who, like, owns a, you know, a house with a fence and a yard and has prote- had a protectionist mentality about single-family housing, yeah. I'm shifting to, you know, hey, let's crack open the code and mm-hmm. let's put some multifamily housing mixed in. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we're it's, just gonna have to. Yeah, and, and or we're gonna what we're dealing with now, and it's disheartening to me because we are from such humble roots, and I've yeah. always felt whether it's true or not, like that part of who we are, in the being raised in that way, that's like just more normal, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, yeah, to be surrounded now, like I am in Allendale, by like the house behind us being built is gonna go on the market for two point six, yeah you know, and that's happening all over, yeah, all over the central yeah. corridor. Um, yeah. but that's a different ball game yeah. And it. I have trouble wrapping my head around it. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Cause we moved into Allendale and you know, our neighbors across the street were pastors at the local Methodist church. Yeah. <laughs> there was a clock mechanic that lived behind us that worked on grandfather clocks. There was a super freaky Aggie that lived across the way that was like a, uh, professor at a at a small college teachers yeah weirdos like just (laughs) just average folk they were just folk yeah and we knew them all and we walk our dogs and there are a lot of them are still there but this next wave is different yeah these are estates that they're buying yeah they come in like highly resourced they don't commingle like those people did you know they don't tend to do their own yard work. Right. They're not out there. Yeah. No, they have so other much. stuff they're doing, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. It's just different. It's yeah. like we're trying to wrap our heads around that. And Suzanne and I walk the dogs pretty much every night. Right. And we talk about it. And then we see all our cool neighbors, and we talk yeah. to them. <laughs> and, like, everyone's like, did you see that house over right? there? The,
1: the that neighborhood neighbor. gossip, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, my
0: God, it's got, you know, it's got a his and hers closet. <laughs> and everyone, like, laughs at it, you oh, know. Man. But it's cute. all, like, in the grand scheme of things, would you rather have that happening or, like, live in a place where their economy's collapsed?
1: Right, yeah. You'd much rather have.
0: You'd rather have the opportunity mm-hmm. and the growth then it just feels like it's so white hot. You're like, yeah. where's the balance? Right. Yeah. There's no
1: balance. It's, right. It's, it's either
0: just like white hot or nothing. It, and yeah. you're like, God.
1: You mentioned something interesting because we, we grew up in a really small town where that, that small town mentality is there. Like, you you know everybody. You yeah. in the yard. And they, you know, you. And they know you. And they know you. you. eat at people's houses all the time. Uh, you know, there are kids running in and out of you walk anyone's house. Neighbor- Without yeah. knocking. Yeah. Without knocking. Yes. The just, door is not locked. It's yeah. not locked. How... And how do you, or do you at all, think that you can bring some of that back to a changing landscape here in Austin? That's a
0: good question to be proactive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, we—I mean, we do it on the on a local level right. in our neighborhood. Where after the freeze, one of my lovely neighbors up the street, who's lived there with his cute daughter and his wife, um, you know, the neighborhood was racked by that. Some people we were out of power; others were. Yeah. And as the it was thawing, we were like, "What can we do to like, you know, get everybody together?" Yeah. And we like, he called this like um, ice cream truck. It was like this really cool Asian ice cream that's yeah. like up in North Austin. Yeah, yeah. We he and I paid for that truck to come, and we, one of the new neighbors that's built one of the estates, let us use their driveway, and everybody gathered. And had ice cream and talked about the freeze. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was cool. It was like a positive moment. Yeah. You know, where yeah. and we got to know some of the people that we've been to your point about quietly judging.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who are they?
0: Well, hey man. Like we're not even judging, you're just, no, you're, wondering. just you're just you're wondering, you don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, cool. you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool.
1: You don't know. you have to guess. Yeah.
0: But I think it's stuff like that. And I think it's just staying open. Um You know, if somebody new moves here and reaches out to us, I always talk to them. Yeah, you know, know I don't, I don't say like I'm too busy. I'm like, young people reach out on LinkedIn or whatever, and
2: I love to, yeah. But
0: that's that's a big part of it to maintain the feeling like. Hey, welcome, you welcome. know, come on in.
1: You, you belong here.
0: You need right. a, yeah, you need yeah. some water. Yeah, like, yeah. you look tired.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're an Aggie?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> um, well, what were you well I was going to say, and you, you coach Little League as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, I did.
0: I'm retired. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. I, Heartbreaking a, a retirement. <laughs> but is that part of, like, giving back to the community?
0: Too? That was. That was, and, getting, and getting know you know, uh, that's a good story, too, because when Clark got interested in baseball, mm-hmm. at, he was late to it. Like, he was, like, eight. Yeah, sure. So a lot of kids have been playing T-ball since they were five. So he didn't know a lot, and we, we, got, a, we got a coach on our first team that we ever joined on a fall ball team, which yeah. is the less competitive yeah, league.
1: the more fun league. It's <laughs> the
0: chill league. Yeah. But this guy was a total – he, like, proclaimed at the first practice, and I was like – one of the dads that hung out to watch and, like, help where I could. I knew nothing about baseball. And he's like, we're going to win this thing. And there wasn't even a trophy. But he, like, (laughs) he had it in his mind, and that was the goal. And he was – putting starter like he wanted starters and this is like a development league for neighborhood it's literally kids. It's
1: instruction, an instructional league. Right
0: you want kids to have exposure to yeah. positions to try different things you're not out there to win yeah. really you're out there to show them how to play the game so that experience propelled my friend who I met in that experience Jeff Seda, who's now like one of my best friends um, who moved here from San Francisco that year California. Yeah.
1: Californians. But he, we just can't stop But him. I didn't
0: look at him and say, when I found out where he was from, right. he was from New Jersey. Yeah. Grew up in New Jersey. Lived in San Francisco for 15 years. Yeah. His son was a great kid and was actually really skilled. And yeah. we commiserated while we were on that team together about right. what a jackass this guy
2: was. <laughs>
0: and we were like, we're going to coach next year. And oh, Jeff awesome. was a baseball guy. He yeah. played baseball and he knew baseball. I was a... Like an, I had the desire to be involved right. and to support that and learn about the game. Yeah. I, I learned with the kids. Right. I did not know that you gave a sign to steal a base, <laughs> any of that stuff. It was all like novel to me, yeah. right. as it was novel to Clark. So that was a fun experience. Yeah, it was really awesome.
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Absolutely. And
0: Clark's still playing. He plays at McCallum High School.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things about my first term I guess living here in Austin was getting a co- help coach and
0: well that and that was the thing I would do is I would meet people and I would see if they knew anything about baseball or if they yeah. were passionate about it mm-hmm. and I would have them come out and help yeah. coach the kids yeah. because as, as you know dedicated as Jeff and I were I had a limited amount I could share about mm-hmm. like things like the little things yeah, you need to do sure. and you were like baller and it was like the kids we're like, oh, who's oh, this yeah, young this guy? guy? He yeah, was yeah. not a dad. Dude, yeah. And I knew from camp that <laughs> yeah. you were trained to, like, mm-hmm. engage kids and treat them in a way. And it all worked. I mean, it was awesome it was to so watch.
1: It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I do want to dive backward really quick into just your body of work with Butler Bros. So yeah. You, you moved back mm-hmm. from Portland. You and Adam are talking. Let's do our own thing. How did Butler Bros. start? Yeah. some of y'all's first clients? Because when I think of y'all, I think of it's like if Richard Linkletter made a branding company. Yeah. Because even down to y'all's aesthetics and the work y'all do, the way y'all work, is so Texan to me. There's something so authentically Texan to the way y'all approach what you do to the product itself. So can you just share a little bit? Yeah. About-
0: well, thanks for bringing up Linkletter. I mean, he's kind of my...
1: Oh, he's my He's hero. like
0: my one of my favorite yeah, of all. If you've of ever it.
1: on the show you can come. Yeah, <laughs> but just the way
0: that he's operated, yeah, the yeah. way that the stuff that he's made. He stayed super indie. Yeah, yeah, and just super creative mm-hmm. and has not let that whole thing get to him.
1: Yeah. No, never
0: once. Yeah, and his daughters went to school with Clark
2: oh, really? at okay. Saint
0: Francis for a while. So yeah, we would sure. see him. Oh, very cool. And I was always like, I mean, we just get started, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. commercials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey,
1: man. You saw my VHS. Exactly. <laughs>
0: I've been on a movie set, bro. I know what it's like. You know
1: what a grip is. <laughs> exactly.
0: I get you. Gaffer tape. Gaff tape. Gaff Never too much so tape. So we 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 started as a freelance team, yeah. and that was gonna be our thing. We were gonna art director writer freelance team we had enough contacts now where we were like you get a gig out yeah. of like LA or New York and you know cook up some spots come up with ideas um, we had some freelance clients that were more direct and we'd make stuff for them and that went on for a minute and then um, we started to have more like organizational challenges with yeah. like billing and paperwork and taxes and <laughs> We were like, ugh, this sucks. Yeah, and just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, and and our sister Bridget was working for Texas Medical Association at the time, like an office job. Okay. And we were like, hey, do you want to come help us like run this thing and do all the p- bookkeeping yeah. and organizational stuff? And she was like, all in. So she's been with us the longest.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was out of the third bedroom of that $130,000 house. Nice. There you go. <laughs> and so we did that we the first time we got like a client was um Rudy's Barbecue.
1: Wow. Yes. Let's go. And
0: that was Lake Travis connection.
1: Okay. There you go.
0: And we grew up with the Ford family who's, you know, they're the owners of that brand and They were looking at a couple agencies. There was a more, like, you know, established agency in Austin, and we had lunch with them at Z Tejas, and kind of looked at us, and they were like, well, why should we pick you? And I just looked at them, and I said, because we'll, like, stay up at night worrying about your business. They were like, okay, we'll call you tomorrow. (laughs) And they called, and they were like, okay, here's, it was like, you know, here's
1: $60,000
0: to make, like, a mountain of stuff <laughs> right. like print collateral yeah tv spots yeah. like the whole thing radio is, yeah and we took that 60 and instead of going out to LA or mm-hmm. hiring a director we bought a camera mm-hmm. and we shot our own spots Adam and I we like learned how to use this camera yeah. it was a it was a uh, canon um think of the model but it was an awesome camera and like gave it to a really good editor Mm -hmm. all this footage we drove around the state of texas and went and visited rudy's and like college station down the coast and interviewed real customers about what they loved about it shot footage of cooks and all the real people that work there yeah and We probably had 10 hours of footage that was like amateurish but believable and i shot a bunch of stills and this editor cut it up and we we got like real texas artists to put music on there that were like you know super authentic from like bruce rubison to um a couple other really awesome people james hand and we got the spots back and it was like magic you know it was like super authentic like yeah. texas rocking vibe yeah. Yeah, yeah and they the client saw them side unseen like they they approved them they were that's like awesome. these are great oh, wow. nice that's awesome yeah so that was like our first you know real client
1: yeah that's awesome and what were what were a few of the because you guys worked with live strong as
0: yeah. well right yeah we were we worked with live strong um for about six years okay. and did a ton of work for them sure um started with them as a free like not a freelance team but they called us in to like look at their powerpoint decks <laughs> and tell us how they should redesign them yeah. mm-hmm. so we like poured all this energy into it and did a presentation With like 30 people on their staff (laughs) and redesigned their PowerPoint. But we like poured our heart and soul into it. We didn't look past it. And we worked with them for years. And this was like as Lance wasn't like, you know, he wasn't caught yet. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) it was a crazy (laughs) ride. Yeah. Yeah, You know, like we got to do some really cool stuff with them.
1: Did y'all ever meet Lance? We did. Like that? What was that like?
0: It was interesting. I mean, you know, he's a I just don't I don't know about that dude <laughs> he's an
1: intense individual <laughs> yeah
0: big, 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 big. and I respect what he did with the foundation and the foundation like yeah, really helped our family when my yeah. dad got a diagnosis yeah. we got to watch that happen like what do you do when you don't have insurance and they helped us they they, will, yeah. they got my dad into MD Anderson, Doug Ullman, and the president ceo we have a lot more love and relationship with doug ullman yeah. who was the president ceo yeah. um than lance yeah um to us he was like a mythical celebrity right. figure yeah. and we it knew was like more of a figurehead, yeah we big, weren't yeah, skinny yeah.
1: white buffalo yeah right. exactly <laughs> and we
0: weren't gonna like be friends with him huh, or get no, to know right. him or anything but doug was like awesome and we still are friends with him but doug's a melanoma survivor
2: yeah
0: and doug um when our dad got melanoma um, which was super scary. Got like a really tough diagnosis, stage four melanoma diagnosis. Um, That's oh yeah, it was yeah. like you know you're gonna, it's gonna get you. Yes. and um, we had nowhere to go, and and Doug introduced us to his doctor at MD Anderson, who was one of the best melanoma doctors in the world, Doctor Wu, and he had us in, and our dad got treated there he had va insurance but no other insurance and we never saw a bill
2: that's
0: uh, awesome md anderson was incredible he didn't survive it but it extended his life and he got to like try everything right you know like yeah. he didn't leave any stone unturned
2: yeah
0: and there's some peace in that where like you you yeah. tried you tried yeah fought and he did awesome so live strong was a was a like key pivotal client um the Legacy Foundation, which is most famous for the Truth campaign, yeah. which yeah. is the anti-tobacco mm-hmm. um, organization out of Washington, D.C.,
2: yeah.
0: mm-hmm. um, we worked with them for about five years. Yeah. That was, a like, I mean, their best-in-class tobacco control nonprofit that's trying to keep cigarettes out of kids' hands.
1: Yeah, yeah really admirable. Right. And, and, and all, they always have really great advertisement as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they have incredible stuff. And we were like the corporate ad agency yeah. for the parent company. Mm-hmm. And we would get to do stuff with Truth, mm-hmm. but we were like working with their scientists, and yeah. it was crazy. I mean, the awesome. stuff we got to do with them. And, but that's where we really started to like go, oh, we can pour our talents into these causes yeah. that you can help people. You don't have to sell them barbecue. No. It's okay to, yeah, there's not, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But like, God, if you're, if you're putting all your creative resources into keeping a kid from picking up a cigarette, mm-hmm. like that's, that feels really good. It's got
1: to spark something else in you as well. Like it's one thing to be like, Oh, I love barbecue. Like I have an idea around that, but it's got to fuel you in a different way. Too. Yeah. Like, this could help keep a kid alive.
0: Yeah. Or just lower suffering.
2: Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and we went through a period where you know both of our parents got sick pretty young and both died and adam and i kind of went on an activist streak where we really were pissed off Mm -hmm. we were mad at big industry we were mad at polluters we were mad at tobacco companies and big soda we like lashed out and we made videos and films that were like attacked we attacked coke with the polar bears yeah. with one of the most famous ad guys in, in the world, Alex Bogusky. Like, we worked with him and, like, threw a Molotov cocktail at Coke. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. But that got old, too. Like, rage against the machine. Yeah.
1: You can only keep that fire going so long.
0: Yeah, and, it, like, after a while, you're like... And then we kind of came full circle, and we were like, well, what if we focused on brands and products we believe in yeah. and be more careful about maybe who we work with? Yeah. And then... Those brands are, like, doing cool stuff and fixing things. Yeah. But then you get to rationalize your way back into working on something like beer. Yeah. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, it was craft beer, so yeah. I was yeah. like, well, it's crafted. It's, it's
1: local. local. It's, it's local. Craft. It creates yeah, local sure. jobs. Yeah.
0: No one's an alcoholic no, that no, drinks craft no beer. That's, that's Miller Lite. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That
1: stuff's way too bitter to be. Like, you, can't you can't that drink much that of much, of much of it. It. <laughs> it, was, it was real ale, sort of the first craft beer client that you guys started working with
0: real ale was the first yeah real ale was the first craft beer client we got in you know blanco based yeah my brother-in-law dave courtney who's the texanist um at texas monthly yeah um great great fella um he introduced me to their marketing guy okay Okay, he's old friends with them Yeah. and we got to do their rebrand and kind of like shore up their whole brand yeah
1: the rebrand there was really good i I remember the shift yeah yeah yeah
0: well it kind of brought them into like the contemporary world they Mm -hmm. were funky and Mm -hmm. really cool really cool yeah but people didn't know there was a business problem when people didn't connect the beers yeah
1: it it was disjointed yeah like you
0: didn't know you drank fireman's four people thought fireman's four was a brewery
1: yeah Yeah. they just thought it was its own they
0: didn't know it was a Part of Real Ale, yeah. and that Real Ale made other beers they might like. So yeah. that was the business reason to even yeah. do it. Not yeah. to make it look cooler, but yeah. like to be cohesive. Just, yeah, bring it together. Yeah, and they're awesome, amazing, funky, independent, yeah. to a fault people. Like, <laughs> Independence beer, man. Oh, yeah, they're right. very Texan in that way. Um, there's a lot of cool breweries in Austin, but they're like country. They're in Blanco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like. They're not Austin.
1: Yeah. Not Austin. No. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, even though they kind of depend on Austin. Yeah, for a little a bit. Bit. <laughs> but,
1: but they're, not, but they're, not, but they're Austin. not Austin.
0: They're not Austin. Uh, and it's fun to go out there and oh check yeah, it out. Sure, yeah. But that led to more craft beer work. Yeah, we yeah. got to go to Hawaii and do Maui Burning dude. Company,
1: which was uh, cool. Dude, I was sucking down coconut porters while we were in Were you all there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was awesome. We were there. Uh, the Big Swell yeah, IPA yeah. Was, Big was flowing mm-hmm. pretty nicely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah.
0: That's the good stuff. That was a fun gig.
1: Really? Because y'all got to go out there for a a few weeks, right? We went out there for a week. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, My brother and I and our uh, design director, who's now back in Seattle, working at Amazon.
1: Wow.
0: He's raising five kids. Okay. Jacob Carter. Um, But we brought (laughs) him out there.
2: Five kids. Lots of five kids stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, he's the only one I know that's, you know, 38 and has that yeah. many kids. Jeez.
2: Or
0: maybe he's 42, Jeez. but he's young. But, yeah, yeah I mean, the, the guy's nuts. Mm-hmm. You're like, five kids in this day and age? <laughs> but if you get yeah. a job at Amazon, you, you can, can raise probably, five kids, can be, put it together. Yeah. But we took him out there, and we, we did what we call blitzing, where yeah. you get the client in a room, and we had these planned exercises and did all this work with their – um, team over the course of a, of a day. Mm-hmm. And that's how we start every project.
1: Yeah. Is, is the Blitz, is which is a design thinking. I was going to ask, is that where your think wrong comes in? Because yeah. that's one of my favorite things that I, I read about you guys is, is think, the wrong. think wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that, um, you know, is IP that comes out of the West Coast mm-hmm. from our good friend Greg Galley mm-hmm. and his. Uh, business partner wrote that book together, mm-hmm. John Bielenberg and Greg Galley wrote Think Wrong.
2: Yeah,
0: he started a business based on that that used those principles to consult with like giant companies that had like really complex problems because right. it's a whole discipline of like yeah. breaking out of the norm and mm, sure. giving yourself permission to come up with like yeah. silly, stupid, silly,
2: <laughs> crazy ideas
0: which is what we all do if you're actually creative together with people you feel safe with yeah. but people not in that clan don't feel safe <laughs> yeah. having a dumb idea mm-hmm. but the dumb ideas are
1: they're the best, the best
0: yeah and they're yeah. the ones that like inspire the next mm-hmm. thing we're yeah. like wait what if you flip that yeah got to have them yeah. so that just creates that environment and yeah. welcomes we've done we've blitzed with like world famous doctors and scientists and you know, people that work at blood banks and people that want to start whiskey companies. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it works for yeah. everybody. Yeah. But yeah, Greg Galley was a, the, the primary mentor that we, at every stage, mm-hmm. we've got, found a yeah. mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, Alex Bogusky, who I mentioned, who we attacked Big Soda with, um, had Crispin Porter Bogusky the famous ad agency that was like the best ad agency in America, like just groundbreaking work for yeah. Domino's and Mini and all these killer big brands. Yeah. And he kind of left that world and set out on this weird path where he kind of rejected big advertising because they had Burger King and they did the whole like the King thing. yeah. yeah. And they were advertising to kids and he started to write blog posts about it. And how it was wrong to sell fast food to kids and he's like you know he's probably worth like 30 or 40 million bucks and sure was like his agency's making money off them and that didn't go very well yeah. and he was finally like you know what i'm out yeah. smart fucking guy <laughs> and started a bunch of like startups and started doing all this crazy stuff in boulder and we like Reached out to him yeah. and were like, We see what you're doing. I reached out to him on LinkedIn when Clark was born 15 wow. years ago and early LinkedIn. And his LinkedIn profile was like chairman of Crispin Porter Bogusky, chairman creative director Crispin Porter Bogusky. And the next job was like ditch digger. That's what he wrote <laughs> for his second. There was no like right, 30, a, sure. it was yeah. like ditch digger yeah. at XYZ, like a high school job that he yeah, had. Sure. And I was like, my god of course he did that yeah that's so funny like he doesn't give a shit and his picture on linkedin was like him in a motorcycle (laughs) helmet with like goggles on like super cool funny and i wrote him and i said you know um i was just sitting there and i was like what what do you say to this guy so i wrote in my you know your intro where you can say hey Mm -hmm. just looking at your profile i said um can you pass the bacon question mark And he responded like pretty quickly, like, all I have is ham. I hope that's close enough. (laughs) And I was like, that's perfect. And I said, "Um, we'd love to send you some T-shirts, Butler Bros. T-shirts. And he was like, I said, where should we send them and what sizes? And so I put T-shirts in a package. I sent them to Alex Mm Boguski, Like um, Adam and I did this. We wrote a little note that said, um, we put a medium-large XL in there, and we said, we don't know how much bacon you eat. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was that. that was yeah. We never heard from him. Yeah. And we hired an intern some years later, and he said, do you all know Alex Bogusky? And we were like, not really, like kind of, but not really. And were—he's like, he wears your shirt around the agency all the time. <laughs> And we were like, no shit. And he's like, yeah. And then, like, a week later, the 30th anniversary issue of Ad Week came out. And he was featured in it in a spread. And he was photographed as, like, one of the top, you know, 30 ad people in the history of whatever. You know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And he's wearing our shirt.
2: No way. Yeah. And people, like
0: emailed us or calling us like what the fuck is going on (laughs) how did you get alex gusky we just (laughs) sent him shirts a long time ago so like that's the kind of stuff i'll do and like adam followed up and like went up there yeah my brother and like met him yeah and that's where we started to do projects with him and he would refer us business yeah but and that's how we met greg galley and greg galley Like, we thought Alex was going to be our, like, mentor because he's, like, so accomplished. He's the guy. But then it's interesting. Then Greg Galley was in his circle, and we started learning about think wrong and and design thinking and what they were doing, and that really... Greg is like an uncle to us. Yeah. He's a little bit older than us. His kids have flown the coop, so he's, like, ahead of us. But he is just one of the smartest, coolest people ever, and he, like we would hire him to come do these blitzes for us with like giant clients. And, um, he would do like rooms full of a hundred people, like getting them all worked up and working on all these problems. And yeah. we learned it from him. And then yeah. Adam kind of has taken that and we'll run them now. Yeah. Um, me less so, but,
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, man, it's all about the mentors. Yeah. It's all about the people,
1: yeah.
0: you know, wherever they're from, a lot of a lot of good California people, though.
1: <laughs> they're, 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 there's a few. <laughs> they're out there, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure how many of them have branded a soccer team, though. Right. And I got that. That's like the one of the big questions when we came in, just wondering, like, how did Austin FC come about? What was it like as yeah. Texans, Austinites, the Butler Bros, to get the opportunity to to do that? To do that.
0: Well, I mean, it was it was an extraordinary thing to get the call. And to have somebody set up a meeting to come over and do an introductory conversation at our studio yeah. about it, um, we were we didn't know if we could get it. We were like, man, but we we had a great crew at the time that was really well suited for it, sure. and they knew that they wanted a um, a local. Mm-hmm. They they were smart; like yeah. they could have hired yeah. New Yorker, but. They needed local, and our strategy was we presented a really tight process Mm -hmm. um, and tight team, and we went into a meeting with five of us, and everybody had a really specific speaking role, and there was a share of voice amongst our team, Mm -hmm. and we presented with a lot of confidence and, like, this is how we're going to do this. And um, there was two other really good firms that Mm -hmm. pitched it, you know, Pentagram is mm-hmm. awesome in Austin, super talented, and Magara Jesse.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I know Magara Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But I think it was like it was ours to take yeah. because yeah. we were the right size. Like, you know, Magara's got a million things going They've on, they're super talented. I mean, yeah. they would have done good work, yeah. both of those firms. But the other thing is, we had like the Think Wrong. Mm-hmm. They knew we could community build around the product, yes. uh, the, uh, the project, and like bring disparate voices in mm-hmm. and bring diverse voices in. Oh, yeah. That was all part of it.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's the reason the work is good is because there was a lot of voices in that process, and a Absolutely. lot of really smart people worked on the project with us that we hired that were super talented. Yeah. And it all showed up in the end product.
1: And is that I. Obviously, you guys have done some really big projects. Is that the biggest project you've yeah. done? Because it's, I mean, you're branding an entire team. That's Yeah. I imagine that involves a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different departments and just trying to come up with something cohesive that hopefully lasts Forever. for a long time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the most visible. Okay. You know, it's yeah. the most, like, it's the one that people are buying. And putting yeah. on their body, yeah. A bunch of people have gotten it tattooed. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they like, have. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a, a, road thing. a legend.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so you know, we've done other big stuff, but Absolutely. people aren't clamoring to wear that. There's not an experience that you go to once every two weeks yeah. at a giant stadium where everyone like chants yeah.
2: things yeah. that like
0: you wrote mm-hmm. or repeats yeah. things that yeah. our team wrote. Um, so it. It is extraordinary we had you know a really strong creative director on it who had moved to austin from uh boston mm. and had previously been on the west coast the east coast and in london yeah but he came to austin to raise his kids
2: yeah.
0: eric enberg and he's like a sports fanatic and okay. genius so right. he was one of the creative directors on the project That was a long time like freelancer with us okay um we had three designers work on it that were all super talented, mm-hmm. like kind of shoulder to shoulder.
2: Yeah,
0: um, Lauren Dickens, who's done a ton of work around town, um, Steve Wolf, and our staffer, Barrett Fry. Yeah. So there was three like super talented you know, designers on it. There was other younger designers like Alicia Pack at our studio. Um, there was a great collaboration team that like Manage the process and, and worked with us on that. And then um, Jeremy Spencer, our now creative director, was a writer on it. And, like, you know, is a sports fanatic and a soccer, like yeah. a real soccer aficionado. Yeah, sure. So the team was just, perfect. just, just the perfect team. The yes, perfect team is. to do it. And we're just bright and got Austin. But we're also, like, Eric was new.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. That's valuable. Yeah. Because he knows Austin, but it's not like us, like
2: yeah.
0: where you grew up here, but that's old Austin. So yeah. like that's yeah. the commingling of the person that just got here a year ago, plus the person that's been there their whole life. Like that's the magic of it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. what's Austin now? Yeah. And ironically, like we got to this idea that was an old tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love and, the logo. Yeah. I mean it, and you know, Anthony Precourt was a, big part of the process like he was Mm -hmm. very involved the owner yeah and he had his own ideas like anthony always liked green Mm -hmm. yeah if you remember mls to atx it was green
2: yeah
0: um and anthony was like really like trees guys trees trees and we were kind (laughs) of like well we're exploring a bunch of stuff yeah but when it came down to it he just kept pressing on trees and but there was no narrative. Yeah. Like, why? What, right. what tree and why? Yeah. And then we discovered the story of the, we knew the story of the treaty oak, and we mm-hmm. knew that oak trees live 500 years. But when we heard this, this podcast about the real story mm-hmm. of what happened when the, tree was poisoned and the way they saved it and there's two trees and a young tree helped. i mean all that was just just really cool (laughs) oh it was like oh my god that's the story (laughs) and you know the designers did a great job of bringing that to life um they all have like ideas in the logo which is Mm -hmm. super unusual yeah there's three designers and like the style is very much like steve wolf Mm -hmm. he's real clean and crisp great balance in his work, but, like, the whole roots going up from the bottom was yeah. from Lauren. She came up with that. That got, like, added to his design. Yeah. And then Barrett um, worked on the style of it as well as the, uh, the two trees. Yeah. That was, like, he kept at that. Because mm-hmm. they almost didn't do that. Yeah, they yeah. almost were wow. like, oh, let's just do one simpler but when you really look at it, that two-tree two narrative trees. is He's,
1: like... Oh, it's the whole thing.
0: I know. It's and the, Barrett like, and gets the credit for that, of yeah. just, like, imploring us, like, guys, don't forget about that. That's
1: the <laughs> best part, you know?
0: Yeah. So the team was awesome. The client was awesome. Andy Lockney, the president mm-hmm. um, of the team, was a great partner in all of that. Um, Dave Greeley, who's who's was, on the like, the one that hired us in the first place. Right. So really really good people and a lot of community members participated in that and we sent the the ideas some of the early ideas to McConaughey yeah before he was even an investor right <laughs> cuz we would send him i had his email
2: yeah
0: and from a project that we did with him for the thinkery, the children's museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would send him work. We were doing periodically just to say, Hey, give me your hot take on this. No. I think he enjoyed it. Yeah. But he gave like feedback on the names.
1: What the heck? And, there you go.
0: um, you know, there was other names besides Austin FC. It was yeah. also a naming thing. Yeah. Should we be like the Timbers in Portland yeah. and have like the that things? Right. Are that we one the names? No, okay. it wasn't. <laughs> I'm, like, strictly bound never to tell what the other names were. Dang
1: it. I want to know so bad. Well, you can tell us off air. Yeah, I'll tell you off air. But
0: there were some other cool names. But, like, his – the community really loved Austin FC just because it was, like, it's our town. It reps Austin. And they were smart. Like, I think Anthony really wanted Austin to be the name. But McConaughey was all over Austin. Yeah. Yeah. He was just, like – he writes, like, really funny. And he said something like, you know, keep it simple. Like – go straight at Austin
1: or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, just totally. Like keep, keep it simple. Really short, keep sweet, simple, but super
0: Marty, smart. Like you know, smart guy.
1: Keep it simple, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's so funny. Okay. Well, Marty, we don't want to take too much of your time. We got one more question for you. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be Texan?
0: To be a Texan. To be a Texan is to... Always be open and aware of what's going on around you, I think. I think Texans, especially in Austin, because I will speak from the vernacular of being an Austin Texan, which is a little different than being like an East Texan.
2: Sure.
0: (laughs) Um, I think that people in Austin are super curious, Mm -hmm. and I identify with that. Mm -hmm. Open, curious, What's next? What's going on around us? um, And get outside. Get (laughs) to the river. Yes. Jump in. Mm -hmm. All that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I love it. So awesome. we well, all Marty Butler, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most talented people, one of the most kind people that we have the pleasure of knowing. Thank you so much for your time today, man.
0: Thanks for having me. It's an honor to sit with you all and visit.
1: <laughs> we appreciate Thank you, man. you so much. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. All right. So I saw him. Where'd you see him? Okay. <laughs> and again, I don't understand how I keep seeing him, but I do. It's like we have. He's, this out, there. Universal. He's out there. He's out there. You know what it around. is? It's. Um. Scientists have actually studied this. It's called Lance Magnetism. Well, boy, let me tell you, I got some Lance Magnetism. So, Fiverr and Craigslist got together mm-hmm. and they were having this freelancing convention. Called Five Craigs? <laughs> no, it was just the uh, Fiverr and Craigslist presents sure. the Austin Freelancing Convention. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are partaking in this great resignation thing. More people are. Moonlighting as designers, copywriters, what Mm -hmm. have you. So they put on this event at the Austin Convention Center downtown here in Austin. And I went just to check it out. I still do some freelance writing on my own, too, as do you. And so I I walk under the banner that that says Texas Freelancing Convention. Mm -hmm. And then I hear this voice on what's obviously a megaphone yelling, Freelance! Freelance, freelance, freelance. And I look to my left, and Lance Armstrong is standing in his yellow jersey. Sure. He actually is wearing all seven of them. I can do you tell. Think, do you think they he ever takes thick. them off? I think they're always on. Okay. With his bike shorts on, holding his bike up in one arm, and yelling through the megaphone Freelance, freelance, freelance. And I saw someone go up to him, and they said, Yo, yo, Lance! Lance! It's a freelance convention. Like, freelancing. he's like, No, I know. Thank you guys for putting this on for me. Freelance. Freelance. I'm free for everybody. I'm ready for the next tour to Lance. Everybody can enjoy me for free. Exactly. Freelance. And it was so funny for an hour to watch him not get it. So for a whole hour, he was standing... On a box that he brought on his own under the freelance convention banner, yelling, Freelance, Freelance, Freelance. Let's just give it up to him for carrying both <laughs> a megaphone and a box on that bike. He's, hey. The man has talent. Look, he can dope all he wants. What he lacks in testicles, he more than makes up for in talent. So you heard it here first Freelance. Freelance, everybody. All right, y'all. Have a great day. Send us your land sightings. DM us directly at texish underscore pod. Like, review, follow, share. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all.